What's happening, everybody? On today's show, some shots being taken at Texas and Oklahoma and the SEC out at Big 12 Media Days. We'll tell you what's being said. Greg Sankey gets a well-deserved contract extension as commissioner of the SEC. And we'll get you the latest SEC recruiting news with our insider, Brian Smith. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network covering your team every day. All right, we got plenty to jump into. Let's dive into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the around the conference and we actually start outside of the sec today going over to dallas texas where the big 12 media days are being held and there are some shots being taken look you knew this was going to be a little awkward with texas and oklahoma remaining in the big 12 for another season uh it's literally one foot in one foot out the door uh and really their bags are packed and they're all the, almost all the way out the door it's one more year of uh Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12. We know they come to the SEC a year from now, next summer, and some shots are being taken. In fact, uh, Sonny Dykes, TCU head coach, he started uh, joining into the chorus of critics about realignment and the lasting impact and all that. He called out uh, some recent moves in realignment saying they don't make sense to him. He said, quote, if it's all about lining your pockets with money, the decisions are really easy. He went on to say Missouri was playing in a lot of Big 12 championships. Haven't seen that much in the SEC. A&M, they were a competitive program, but not as often now. I don't know about you, but UCLA and Rutgers feel like a natural rivalry to me. I get what he's saying there, uh, taking some shots all around. But first off, his statement about Mizzou is factually incorrect. Missouri played in two Big 12 championship games when they were members of the Big 12. And then they played in two SEC championship games their first couple years in the SEC. So they played in just as many Big 12 championships as they as they have SEC championships. Uh, Texas A&M, they finished in the top five in national rankings twice while a member of the SEC. They finished fifth in 2012. They finished fourth in 2020. Aggies' top finish as a Big 12 school was 11th in 1998. I uh, saw a few other notes some people pointed out. Missouri's last 11 years in the Big 12. They had one national title opportunity, two Big 12 North titles, eight 500 or better regular seasons. Missouri's first 11 years in the SEC. They had two SEC East titles, eight 500 or better regular seasons. So very much the same for Missouri. Not much has changed. Uh, Sonny Dykes went on to say, every school has to do what they feel is best for them. We went four and eight two years ago, but we made a lot of money. Every school has to decide what matters to them. So Sonny Dykes taking shots saying, look, they're they're only, uh, Texas and Oklahoma are only coming to the SEC because of money. He said, I don't know what's going to happen with Oklahoma and Texas, but I will tell you, you know, congratulations to them. If that's what it's about, money, at the end of the day, congratulations. We switch over to Tim Weiser, Big 12 Deputy Commissioner. He was uh, sitting down with one of the uh, radio stations in uh, Dallas, 
and he said it's not about the money to him. He said, I continue to maintain that the choice Texas made was not a financial one because we all know what Texas's resources are like. I think their motivation was about affiliating with a group of schools that on a given Saturday, they would rather get beat by an Alabama than a Kansas State or get beat by a Florida than an Iowa State. That was really, I think, driving the way they looked out down the road. In Oklahoma's case, I'm not convinced that was the issue for them. They were more what I would call the reluctant bride, saying they were just following Texas, basically. But an interesting thought there, you know, again, seems like a shot at Texas saying, oh, I mean, they were busy losing to Kansas State and Iowa State, so now you can just go lose to Alabama and Florida in the SEC. I get what he's saying, a better strength of schedule losses, I guess, but still feels like a shot. Other people. That spoke at Big 12 Media Days these last couple days. Gus Malzahn, he took to the podium. You remember him, former Auburn coach, coached in the SEC. He's been at UCF the last couple years. They are now joining the Big 12. Gus Malzahn said on Thursday he believes the Big 12 is the deepest conference in the Power Five. He said, quote, it's a deep conference and there's no off weeks. You got to bring your A game every week. That's what really stands out to me as being the new kid on the block. Maybe Gus has memory loss. Does he not remember being in the SEC a couple years ago where, quote-unquote, there were no weeks off? Quote-unquote, you got to bring your A game every week? Somebody get with Gus Malzahn. By the way, very gray up top, Gus Malzahn. Um, Stop dying the hair. And, uh, again, maybe getting up there in age, forgetting how tough it was to win in the SEC. He says the Big 12 is the deepest conference in the Power Five. I will politely disagree with Gus. Uh, Joey McGuire, Texas Tech coach, he was asked about his post-Texas victory statement last year saying everything runs through Lubbock. He kind of said, yeah, that was supposed to be just for the locker room, but he said, there's nothing that comes out of my mouth that I don't believe. So some fighting words there. You got to go up against Sark and the uh, Texas Longhorns, and hopefully uh, Sark hands Texas Tech a uh, exiting victory last season in the Big 12. Brent Venables over at Oklahoma. Look, he tried to do the classy thing. He praised the Big 12 right out of the gate. Said he has a lot of love for the league after playing at Kansas State, coaching in the first ever Big 12 game. Says the conference is in great hands going forward. But Mike Gundy took some shots back at Oklahoma. Mike Gundy was asked, uh, are we ever going to get the Bedlam game? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. He said, the Bedlam game is over because Oklahoma chose to leave the Big 12, period. He said it has nothing to do with Oklahoma State. Do I like it? No. Do I like the conferences have broken up over realignment? No. But we have to control what we can control. Mike Gundy said he has no desire to play Oklahoma as a non-conference game. He said Oklahoma State is not going to change what we do because Oklahoma decided to go to the SEC. They need to change change what they do. So Mike Gundy, maybe a little bitter there that Oklahoma is leaving him. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, he spoke at Big 12 Media Days. He said, we are the uh, University of Texas. We're going to get everybody's best shot. He did mention that includes Alabama in week two. Uh, but he's embracing the being the favorites of the Big 12. So, uh, look, last season of Texas and Oklahoma in the Big 12, I couldn't help but kind of take up for them. Look, they're, they're our guys. They're coming to the SEC. I felt uh, there were some unwarranted shots being thrown there over in uh, at Big 12 media days. Look, when Texas and Oklahoma get into the SEC, we're going to rib them. We're going to poke fun at their fans and their traditions, and uh, we'll take our shots. But for right now, we're protecting our own. Shut up, Big 12. Look, all, all I'll say in closing on this is how great would it be if Texas and Oklahoma can both kind of run the gauntlet of the Big 12 
and both play each other in the Big 12 championship game. And then Brett Yormark has to get up there and hand the trophy, the Big 12 trophy, to Steve Sarkeesian. If I'm Sark and the Longhorns, I take the trophy, I say thanks, and I leave it on the ground, and I walk away and go, we're off to the SEC. See you guys later. Again, there's going to be some bad blood there last year. This is what you get. One foot in, one foot out. Everybody's going to feel some, you know, uh, resentment. And that was what was happening out there at uh, – at Texas and Oklahoma, I saw somebody tweet out, uh, they're going to have to get restraining orders at this rate if uh, the rest of the Big 12 keeps uh, obsessing over them and taking shots at them. But nonetheless, hey, they're our SEC brethren very soon, so uh, we'll stick up for them and defend them. All right, there you have it. That's the latest going on there. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk about Greg Sankey getting his new deal with the SEC. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And I want to remind you guys, uh, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at eBay Motors. Excited to talk about one of our new uh, sponsors making it all happen here on Locked On. And look, for a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your car. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts, accessories, whatever, you want to head over to eBay Motors. They've got the eBay Guaranteed Fit, and that will make sure that uh, every part uh, you need fits just right for your car the first time around. You can add your car to, they call it My Garage. It's really easy to do. You look for the green check to know that the part that you need will fit or you get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. And when you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you will be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts Get the right fit and, of course, the right prices over at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay Motors. Go check them out. All right. Continuing on here. Locked on SEC and... You know, I thought it was so great, just kind of the uh, the timing of how this happened. Uh, we were just talking about Big 12 Media Days happening in the last couple of days. And, of course, we've got SEC Media Days coming up in a couple of days. But Brett Yormark, the commissioner for the Big 12, give him credit. I think he's done a good job with them so far. But he's been a little hoity-toity, patting himself on the back. Big 12 maybe thinking they're a little bit bigger than they are. You're not the SEC, bro. You're just not going to be. Um, and the timing of Brett Yormark kind of taking some shots at uh, Texas and Oklahoma saying, uh, you know, they, they haven't recruited a, that, that well. They haven't even played for the uh, Big 12 title the last couple of years. It's been other teams. Um, you know, Brett Yormark put up these PowerPoint presentations at Big 12 Media Days bragging about all the great things the Big 12 has done, all these great TV contracts we just got done and all that. Uh, what happens literally a day later? Well, uh, the SEC hands their commissioner, Greg Sankey, a contract extension and says, hey, you're pretty good, Brett. You ain't Sankey, bro. And Greg Sankey gets a contract extension approved by the SEC's president's chancellors. Continuing a role, he started June of 2015 when he became the eighth commissioner of the conference. And his new contract extension will take him through 2028. Greg Sankey, um, University or Georgia University President Jim Moorhead uh, said, uh, Greg Sankey continues to lead the SEC effectively through all these challenging times for college athletics under his visionary stewardship. Uh, collaboration with all our members. The SEC has emerged as the nation's most stable and successful athletic conference. 
Today's announcement reflects our enthusiastic endorsement of Greg's leadership as he tries to take our conference to even greater heights. Greg Sankey came out and said, I'm grateful for the continued opportunity to serve and support the schools and student-athletes of the Southeastern Conference. I look forward to working with the leaders of our universities to meet all the challenges ahead for college athletics. Of course, uh, Sankey guided the SEC admirably through the COVID-19 pandemic while other uh, conferences and leagues were shutting it down saying, it can't be done. Greg Sankey said, now hold on now, let's find a way to do it safely. And they did. And of course, uh, he recently finalized that 10-year agreement with uh, Disney that grants ABC and ESPN exclusive broadcast rights of all the big-time SEC football and basketball events. Of course, uh, that will also, uh, or he was part of the the uh, expansion decision to welcome in universities of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC starting next season. On the national stage, uh, Sankey was tabbed to serve as a co-chair of the NCAA's Transformation Committee, was instrumental in the expansion of the college football playoff, going from four to 12 teams. He's been fantastic. He really has. And uh, tip of the cap to Greg Sankey. He's just been uh, everything you want in a leader of the Southeastern Conference. Hasn't all been great. Look, there's been a couple missteps here and there. Um, you know, I think back over the years when LSU and Florida had to reschedule some games because of hurricanes, things like that. I thought maybe he should have stepped in there. But overall, the guy that you want leading your conference, he's been outstanding. And um, again, his track record shows, speaks for itself. Leading, the, leading you through COVID, conference expansion, maximizing uh, all the dollars and cents with the TV deals and everything else. Greg Sankey's been fantastic. Now, We'll say there's still room to go when it comes to the transfer portal and NILs and, you know, how does the NIL legislation work or all the states going to get on board. There's still room to work on there, but uh, the 58-year-old Greg Sankey not going anywhere anytime soon and happy for him and happy for the SEC and the future of the SEC in having Greg Sankey hang around for a handful more years. Uh, congrats to him, and uh, we we'll hope to have him on the show coming to you from SEC Media Days next week in Nashville. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we are going to switch gears and talk the latest on SEC recruiting with our buddy Brian Smith. So anybody with uh, wondering what the latest is going on with SEC recruiting, that's coming your way in just a sec. Keep it locked right here. We haven't talked to our buddy Brian Smith in a couple weeks. He is our recruiting insider here at Locked On. And, uh, Brian, I guess just uh, catch us up. What's been going on in your world these last couple weeks? Seems like we've had a lot of commitments all across the college football world. Um, a lot of things have been happening in regards to the commitments all across the SEC. Alabama, uh, we'll talk a little bit about them here in a little bit. In Georgia, they finally both have really gotten to the point where their classes, you kind of see where they're trending Missouri and some other programs have picked up a bunch of commitments. It's been a lot of fun. So now the question is, who's going to finalize here the next few months? Yeah, and certainly we started to see uh, this past week. I mean, let's just start with the heater that George has been on. I mean, they've already been ranked the number one class for months. And this past week, they had a handful of four-star O-linemen in Nair Daniels, Daniel Calhoun, Marcus Easley, and then a D-lineman in Joseph Jonah Ajanye. I mean, is this just a case of being the back-to-back reigning champs? They're just getting about anybody they want right now? I think that's a big part of it. But you also have to give Georgia's recruiting staff a lot of credit. They put in the groundwork, and they get after it on the trail and build relationships with the high school coaches, the players themselves, their parents, anybody that's around. They do a great job. And they're just a lot of nice guys. So when you do all of that and you're selling two national championships – 
it's not, not real hard. So uh, congrats to Georgia for figuring that out. But at the same time, Georgia's in a situation where if they don't finish in the top three, something would have had to have gone seriously wrong. <laughs> yeah, and it's sitting at 26 commitments right now. I mean, it's like so there are some schools that are barely, you know, barely at 15, and, and they're just crushing it at name after name after name. Uh, let's switch gears over to uh, Alabama. They had a couple of kids in uh, four-star corner, Zabian Brown, a modern-day kid. Of course, we know tons of kids coming from modern day. And they also dip into Germany. They grab a linebacker, Justin Okoronkwo, and that all comes on the heels of adding a four-star athlete, Jameer Grimsley, uh, what do you know about some of these guys all seem like, uh, at least Brown and Grimsley seem like studs? Brown is one of the most technically sound corners you're going to find in the class of 24. He's a kid that can lock down anybody one-on-one. He's a big-time player. Grimsley, he can play receiver. He can play corner. He can play safety. I think his best spot is corner, but I'm sure Nick Saban will figure it out for where he should go. And I also think that he's a kid that doesn't really care. He just wants to win. Been around him a few times. Uh, Alabama, they they know what they're doing with figuring out the best spots for kids. Grimsley's a great case for let's just figure it out once he gets to campus because his length and speed, along with his competitive nature, make him a great candidate for the Crimson Tide. Over at Auburn in-state, they get a big-time pickup in four-star offensive lineman Malik Blockton. He's the number uh, 24 recruit from the state of Alabama, six foot four, 275 pounds, Brian, it just seems like Hugh Freeze just keeps continuing to add to those trenches at Auburn, and it's it's a spot that they really needed, uh, you know, albeit in his first year there, that they add through the portal, but now on the recruiting trail as well. They needed size. They needed more talent up front if they're going to compete with their two main rivals, Georgia and Alabama. This is a great start. For Auburn, they have to win in-state a lot more than they have in the last several years. Blockton is a great start of that. They're they're probably going to get a couple other key players here pretty soon. Maybe one that's a flip from Georgia and maybe another that's a flip from Alabama as well. Mm. That'd certainly be big for uh, for Hugh Freeze and company. Um, over at Arkansas, and we're just jumping around here. I got a lot of schools I want to touch on with you. Arkansas, they added a wide receiver in Ashton Bethel Roman. He's the son of former LSU safety and former NFLer Mark Roman. He's the number 18 wide receiver in this class. He's from the Houston area. It seems like we've seen a lot of success in recent years, Brian, with legacy kids, sons of former NFL players. Do those kids maybe get a little extra kick in the recruiting rankings, kind of just based off pedigree alone? It can't hurt. I mean, most people expect great players to have kids that are also going to be great players. It's nothing unusual. And Arkansas, obviously, they're going to go after top talent in Houston. They're, they're adjacent to the state of Texas. So for this young man, they're looking at a kid that's coming from the right pedigree and he's playing against top competition. I'm not surprised by his ranking at all. Continue our conversation with uh, Brian Smith talking all things recruiting. And Brian, uh, we got to start here. Uh, Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, they make headlines a year ago at that top-ranked recruiting class in 2022. They're into the top 10 now for 2024, coming in at ninth after a big-time commitment this past week from five-star wide receiver Cameron Coleman. He's the number one player out of the state of Alabama. How did Texas A&M get him from right under the noses of, of Alabama and Auburn? Well, it depends on who you want to ask on that. Um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess NIL had something to do with that. <laughs> um, there's a lot of consternation amongst fans in the area where Cameron's from about this happening. I don't know. I mean, it's just true. Um, there, there's, it's the elephant in the room. Uh, nobody believes they got him up front and, and legally. That's just from talking to people. Nobody does. So I'll let that one play out on its own. But he, I, I know Cameron from watching him play. He's a dude. 
And he's a guy that can come in and play right away. So let's see how that one plays out long term because a commitment and a signee are two different things. Yeah, number 17 overall prospect in 2024. It's quite a get. Top 20 kid for A&M at this stage in the game. Uh, how about over at Missouri? We don't normally talk much about Mizzou and Eli Drinkwitz, but they picked up a couple commitments last week in four-star corner Cameron Keyes. He's the number 49 player out of the state of Florida. They added a wide receiver named James Madison out of St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. And on top of it, they get Nicholas Rodriguez, a linebacker, number 75 recruit from the state of Florida. Uh, it just seems weird. Mizzou, in one week, picking up three kids from the state of Florida, but uh, Eli Drinkwood seems to be doing a pretty good job. That's a really good week for them because they need more speed from the South. They need more defensive players. They need more playmakers. Getting two kids out of St. Thomas Aquinas, that's a great start. Um, I, I know that they're trying to get more players out of Florida anyway. They've got a couple of coaches that do a great job in South Florida, so I'm not really shocked by that. Get the DB from Panama City that's an extra bonus, and it shows that Missouri is going out of their way to scour the entire state because this is a, a really good group of DBs in the state of Florida again this year. So good for Mizzou. That, that's a really good week for them. How, how about over at Kentucky? They grab a couple kids, a four-star linebacker and Elijah Groves. They had a three-star wide receiver, David Washington, from Philly. They get a three-star DB, Quasheed Scott, and then a four-star DB, Terrian Nichols from Cincinnati. But it feels like Mark Stoops has just done a good job of grabbing kids from all those surrounding areas, from Ohio to Pennsylvania, Tennessee, him being that Youngstown native. It just seems like he's been there so long in Kentucky. He knows that area so well. Um, it seems like more and more kids are gravitating towards Kentucky. They've had more success in the last few years, and that's going to open doors. And your point about Youngstown, Ohio, is very important for people that don't know. That's an area just on the edge of the state of Pennsylvania, and it's not that far from Pittsburgh. So he's going to be able to go out and get kids that maybe some other Kentucky coaches in the past may not have been able to. And again, when you're winning and doing that, that helps. You know, they beat teams like Tennessee here in the recent past, and that's going to get you some open doors. Florida also, I think that people are kind of sleeping on Kentucky as a program. I think they're going to be pretty good moving forward. Yeah, and they get Devin Leary, the big-time quarterback from NC State. We'll see what he does this year. Uh, speaking of Tennessee, they pick up a, a big old lineman in William Satterwhite from the Akron area this past week. Uh, what is the buzz on Tennessee? I mean, it just feels like Josh Heupel, man, that, that year that they had last year with Hendon Hooker and company, it just feels like it's built up so much momentum for that, for that program, and it's having repercussions on the recruiting trail. I think that Tennessee's on the right path, finally. They have guys that are really trying to grind. They're going after four- and five-star D linemen, trying to improve that defense. They've needed so much help on defense for years, and they're starting to build. Now they need those. Tennessee has a chance to be a program that's consistent again, and that's the biggest thing. For a long time, they would have a good season. They were inconsistent. Now I think they're here than they have any time in the last 20 years. All right, our thanks again to Brian Smith. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers. Next week on the show, you do not want to miss it. We will have you full coverage from SEC Media Days. We'll be catching up with some different players from all across the Southeastern Conference. We'll have some of uh, the highlights, each day of what the coaches have to say at the podium, and all that. You want to keep it locked right here to Locked on SEC on YouTube and on the podcast version. I'm Chris Gordy. We will talk to you guys starting on Monday from Nashville right here on Locked on SEC.